It's great to be with you today. I hope that you're comfortable. I hope that you have settled in. Thank you for joining us for this special online edition of Silver Creek Church. We're going to have a wonderful time as we look at God's Word today and we continue our series called Outward and I think that God has something for us to challenge us today. And so I'm excited to come to you and share that with you. Uh, the first thing that I want to draw to your attention is that over the past number of weeks, it really seems like our state of Michigan has really been featured very prominently in the news. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it really seems like that has been the case. Uh, due especially to the presidential primary. And uh, over this past week, um, we really had a wonderful opportunity here at Silver Creek to serve as the polling location for two precincts here in Chocolate Township. It's really an honor and a privilege to serve the needs of our community this way. And on Tuesday, we had um, about 800 people from the community walk through the doors of our facility and come to perform their civic duty. And I started thinking about our community, started thinking about how many people are near us and, and our township here in Chocolate, uh, 5,900 uh, are, are in our township, the city of Marquette over 21,000. <clears> then I think about Marquette County, 67,700. And then if you even think larger in terms of the Upper Peninsula, 311,000 plus people living here in the UP. More than 30,000 people live within a five-mile radius of where I am right now here at Silver Creek Church. And what that translates to is that there are a lot of people that are near us that we are called to reach, that we are called to minister to. In Church Growth Magazine, Mark Clarsonow writes that the magazine's extensive research regarding inward-focused churches has revealed some of the characteristics commonly found in those churches. And let me share one that he mentions. He said that when a church is inward-focused, the church becomes more about what I expect to get rather than about what I consider giving. In other words, the church is concerned more about being served rather than serving. Today I want to talk to you about another one of the words that starts with the letter M, and that word is called ministry, and throughout the New Testament that word is also translated to mean serve. Now, throughout Scripture in the New Testament, there's really uh, uh, several meanings that are found in Scripture that, that translate to that word serve, and, and it's the idea of being active, actively serving, or literally kicking up dust because of being on the move. To care for the needs of others as the Lord guides in an active and practical way. The word is often used very in very close connection with our faith. And this morning, what I would like to do is I would like to spend a little bit of time and look at three things that we can do as believers that will help us to serve the Lord and serve those that are around us 
as we endeavor to be an outward-focused church. The first thing that I'd like to share with you is that we need to just get even. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I don't get mad, I just get even? Now, you might be saying to me, hey, Kevin, wait a second, I don't know if this is right, because the Bible says that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And you're telling me that we need to just get even? Well, I want you to understand what I'm saying here, but, but I want you to look at this because that word even is the word that I want you to look at. And it means to be flat or smooth. It means to, to have an equal number like two, four, six, or eight. Uh, it means um, also in the sense of being an adverb that you emphasize something that is at an extreme. And this is the way that Jesus uses this word. And he's using it about something that's extreme and he does it in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus came to serve rather than to be served. The phrase, though, even the Son of Man, is used to emphasize an extreme. In other words, if anybody could come to be served, it would have to be Jesus, because he's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the creator of the world. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. It's okay for you in your living room to say amen to that because that is who he is. But even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve others. And if the Son of Man came to do so, and he's on that extreme, how much more should you and I serve other people? Jesus is the most extreme example that we could possibly use to illustrate the fact that you and I are called to serve the needs of others. We need to get the word even because even the one person who we could all agree should be served didn't live that way, but instead he served others. So if we're going to be an outward-focused church in 2020, we need to serve others rather than to think that we should be served by others. Number two, what we need to do in order to really serve others, to be an outward-focused church, is we need to become great. You might say, wait a second, I don't, I don't think I understand this. You're telling me that we need to become great in order to serve other people. But I'm telling you that if we're going to be an outward-focused church, we need to become great. Now, I want to ask you, and obviously I'm asking you, and you're not in this room with me. You're at home. You're watching on your device, or you're watching on your television or your computer. And, and so I want you to think about this. Does any one of you, uh, have you aspired to be great? Just think about that for a moment. 
Just think about what it means. You know, most of us, it's actually too uncomfortable for us to even, to even really think about that, that we would dare admit to such a thing because that's so lofty. No, I, I, I don't dare to be great. I, I want to be, be good, but, but to be great. But I really want us to ask ourselves that question, do we, do we aspire to become great? And I ask you that because our view of greatness in this society is reaching the top. You see, great people, we view them as being up high. When we talk about achieving greatness, what are some of the things that we say? We say that, that someone, they rise up through the ranks, that they climb corporate ladders. We talk about upward mobility. We talk about making it to the top. This is how our society defines greatness. But my question for you today is this, is that the correct definition? Is that the definition that we should be using? So how can becoming great help us to serve? How can it help us to be an outward-focused church? You see, because if, if I think about it in terms of, of our society, I would say, well, if I'm great, then people will listen to what I say, and then I can tell them about Jesus, and they'll respond because I'm great, and they'll listen to me. Or we can think to ourselves, if I'm great, then people will do what I tell them to do, and I can tell them that they need to follow him, and they will. Or if I'm great, it will all be for the glory of God and I can give God the credit for my greatness and that will all be wonderful in light of the kingdom of God. I want to read from Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 26, as Jesus defines for us what greatness is in his terms. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus defines and identifies and equates greatness not with success or rising to the top or being first or being number one, but he identifies it, he equates it to serving. And if we want to be an outward-focused church, we must be willing to become the kind of great, the kind of first, the kind of number one that Jesus is talking about, which means serving others and putting others first. There's a significant difference between what our world believes is great and what truly great is in the kingdom of God. And if we're going to be an outward-focused church, we need to become great. We need to become the servant of all. Number three, in order to serve, in order to minister, in order to be an outward-focused church, I believe that we need to do it just for the joy. Let's read from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 5. 
Paul writes this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, throughout the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul mentions the word joy over and over again. But let me ask you this question. What was happening in Paul's life while he was writing this letter that produced in him such joy? Well, he was in prison. He was facing a sentence of death. He was worried about the churches that he had planted throughout Asia Minor uh, continuing to grow, continuing to thrive. And these don't sound like things that normally would produce joy in us. But you see, the source of his joy was the fact that his attitude was like that of Jesus who had taken on the very nature of a servant and served all the way to the cross. I'm reminded what James, the brother of Jesus, said in his short book when he said, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that they should have joy in the midst of severe suffering. To the Corinthian church, he wrote to them about their overflowing joy in the midst of severe trials. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2, he writes of Jesus saying, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, if the Bible tells you and I that we should have joy in suffering, doesn't it make sense that there should also be a joy that we experience that comes specifically when we begin to put others first by serving them? Paul considered suffering a joy because he was following the example of Jesus as a servant. You see, serving, when done following Christ's example, produces joy in us. How many of you, as you sit there and watch at home, how many of you might have participated this past summer in Serve Week? Serve Week was something that we did as a church We worked on a roofing project in Ishpeming. We uh, had Feeding America event. We had people that came and they worked at Cherry Creek School uh, right here in Chocolate Township. Uh, We had a group of people that went to uh, the warming house in in Marquette and served food there uh, at the shelter. We had a lot of different activities. We had people show up to sort clothing uh, that would be used for Operation Winter Wear. We did that all throughout the week. 
And during that week, there were 94 volunteers from here at Silver Creek and a dozen volunteers from our community that came and they gave a total of 1,166 volunteer hours that week. I remember one of those folks that came from outside of the Silver Creek community. Her name is Sarah. And Sarah uh, is a 12-year-old young lady. And Sarah does not attend our church, but she loves to serve people. And she came to our Feeding America event, and she uh, was one of our hosts, and she would host people through the line. And I was, I was so impressed as her uh, family told me that she even would make crafts and sell them, and she would take that money, and she would buy backpacks and school supplies to give to children that needed them to start school. This is a young lady that serves others, that gives to others, and she is somebody that is really very near and dear to my heart. In fact, Sarah's going to be, during her spring break, is going to be visiting Marquette again to see her family, and I can't wait to see her because she's just that type of a person. She, she, there's a joy about her because of her service. I want you to know that when we serve, and I think of serve week, I think of that week and, and the hours that we spent on the roof and the hours that we spent serving at Feeding America and the other events, and, and you, you say, man, we, we, we worked hard and we were tired. But I notice that when we gather together here at the church on Sunday and we begin to worship the Lord, there is a joy and there is an energy that does not exist every other Sunday out of the year. Because when we serve, there is joy in our hearts. Now I want you to know that this even has been scientifically quantified through studies. Forbes.com wrote that volunteering can have a measurable impact on your overall happiness. What are they saying? They're saying that when you do things for other people, when you serve them, there is joy that comes into your heart as a result. It goes on and says people who volunteered monthly were 7% more likely to be happy. The more they volunteered, the more that number increased. That is an incredible statistic where scientifically you can demonstrate that the more we serve other people, the more we do things for others with them in mind, the greater the amount of joy that comes into our lives. When we serve others before ourselves, it produces joy in us. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. I've talked about Tom Rainer a number of times before. He has a, a blog that he writes, and he has over 7 million viewers to his blog. And he is literally um, offered thousands and even tens of thousands of comments. 
and he shared um, that, that, that something that he did as a result of this blog, he decided to do a 90-day experiment where he would ask people to commit themselves to ask nothing of the church, to not complain, and to spend two hours each week serving the needs of someone else. And after he put out this challenge, a period of time had gone by, and he got a response from one lady seven months later. And she said that she had, um, she had made some changes in her life, and I want to share with you her response to Tom Rayner about what she found as she began to look and focus on serving the needs of others. She said this, she said, I've never been more joyful to be a church member. My mission is now to serve others. It's much more fun to serve than be served. I still pray every day for my attitude. I pray for specific people in the church every day. That has changed my attitude incredibly. I've also made certain I do something of service in the church at least one hour a week. I truly have learned in action what Jesus meant when he said we, should be, uh, we, we would be first if we put ourselves last. I'm last in the sense that I serve others before me. I am first in the sense that I have an incredible joy coming from Jesus. I wish I had made this effort years ago. I have truly learned to experience the joy of Christ by serving others. When we serve others, it produces joy. The joy of Christ in our lives. So if we're going to minister, if we're going to serve, I want to encourage you today, let's, let's just get even. Let's just get even. Understand that word even. Even Jesus. That ultimate extreme of an example. Even Jesus served others. Let's become great in Jesus' definition of the word great, let us learn to serve others and let's just do it for the joy that comes when we serve others. Now I know that you're not here with me today because of something that's going on in this country that, that just is, is almost unexplainable. A virus that has uh, has become contagious and that we're concerned about. And I, I want to encourage you today, I do not want you to be afraid. I don't want you to allow fear of this thing to get in the way of not only serving God, but serving other people. The Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. And I believe that there are going to come opportunities for you and I to serve other people. I believe that in this time for some of panic, 
I, I understand it. I, I was in the, the grocery store yesterday and I saw bare shelf after bare shelf when it came to toilet paper. I don't fully understand it, but obviously people are concerned. And, and you see that and you understand that. But in the midst of this atmosphere, I believe that there are opportunities for you and I to serve the needs of others. I don't know if you noticed it, but while I was going through so, my social media feeds, even this morning, I noticed that there were people that posted, hey, if you need anything, I want to be here. If you need a meal, I want to be here. If your child needs someone to be with them during the day while you're at work, I want to be here. And you know what I noticed? I noticed that Christian after Christian after Christian was posting those kinds of encouraging words. And I believe in this day, in this hour, the church, the church of Jesus Christ needs to arise. And as we do, as we reach out and as we serve and love others, the name of Jesus will be glorified. The Bible says that Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. When we serve others, when we love others, Jesus is lifted up. And I hope that during this time, that you will look for opportunities where you can serve others, where you can love them, where you can minister to them the way Jesus would. And in doing so, we will minister in the name of Jesus, and I believe that we will see people who will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. What a great opportunity for the church. I hope that you will pray with me and that you will look for those opportunities to minister. Would you bow your heads with me? Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I have to be able to speak into the lives of people, into their homes, even though we're not physically together in the same place. And I thank you that I'm able to share the truth of your word. And Father, I know that for some of us, maybe we've, we've had a little anxiety about what's happening in our world today. We don't know exactly how we're going to take care of the kids this week because we've got to work and the kids are home. We don't know how we're going to get everything done. We're a little bit concerned. Do we have enough of this or do we have enough of that? But Father, I pray right now for a spirit of peace to come over your people. I pray, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom. I pray that we will do the things that we know to do, the things that we're being told to do now that we've been told to do since we were young, to, to just wash our hands. It sounds silly, but God, after that, when we do those things, that we will put our trust in you first and foremost. And Father, I know, I know that you are not unaware of what's happening in the, our world today. And I pray, Lord, that your word would indeed be true. 
And Lord, I pray that you would encourage and build up and lift up your people today. I pray for a spirit of peace. And Lord, when those opportunities come to minister, to serve, to love others, Lord, that we will take that up even in this hour of difficulty. Father, I pray that as we do so, as we offer that cup of cold water in Jesus' name, I pray that lives would be changed. And Lord, even though we're not together right now, may your Holy Spirit reach across the miles and right now just begin to encourage. As we close our time together, maybe you're dealing with some anxiety about all that's going on. I just... I just believe that God desires to minister to you right now. If that's you, don't, don't think that this is strange, but I just want you to lift your hand up and acknowledge it to the Lord. God, that's me. I've got some anxiety about this moment that we're going through as a nation. I've got some fears, and God, I want to give them to you today. Father, you see those hands, and you know their hearts. And Father, I pray for a spirit of peace to come over them. Your word says that there's a peace that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray right now that that peace will begin to flood their hearts, protect them. Lord, from, from all the, the negativity that might be spoken, God, I pray, protect their hearts. Lord, your word says, cast all your cares, your anxieties upon the Lord. And Father, we do that right now. And I pray for these. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. We'll see you soon.